Tonight's episode of Board Chitless is sponsored by The Game Steward. The Game Steward is an online game store offering Kickstarter board games out of print and imported games at reasonable prices. It's time to play. Hello there and welcome back to another exciting episode of Board Chitless. This week we've been going back to a double dose of gaming. Just like the old days. I know, it's incredible. We really do feel quite spoiled. And we're also joined by a very special guest. So I'm Lecky and today I'm joined by... Tristan. And... Francesca. Woo! AKA Mrs. Ninja Dog. So, okay, not such a special guest. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of you may know Francesca from her amazing compositions for the soundtrack for The Gloom of Killforth and more recently, Lifeform. So um, it's, a, it's very nice to have you along with us. Oh, thank you very much. It's very nice to be here <laughs> in my kitchen. <laughs> it's in the sound studio, ignore that. Yeah, it's a very expensive place. <laughs> Um, this week we've been playing Takaido and Rune Age. Takaido is a Japanese-themed set collection game for one to five players. Two, f- two, for five. two to five players. No solo rules included in the box. I'm oh. sure there's millions of solo rule fan variants online, but none in the box. We're going to have to check that out right away. So it's a game by Antoine Bowser, and I'm going to say Najedi. I do apologise if I've got that horribly wrong from Funforge Games. And it's a beautiful game to behold. Loads of really nice uh, watercoloured, colourful components. Um, quite a simple game, but what I found quite frustrating with its elegance a lot of blocking involved for the players. How do you find it, Tristan? Um, yeah, this is... Uh, so we played this last year at UK Games Expo and I was probably a bit merry at the time. It was late in the evening. But I remember being bowled away by its simplicity and its like gorgeous components and artwork and everything. Um, so imagine my surprise and disappointment when I opened my copy, which I bought recently, um, and it's not any of the deluxe kickstarter components at all yeah uh, in fact the components were i would go so far as to say shoddy in some a respects little, a little bit flimsy weren't they I don't yeah i don't like to rip on games too much but i was shocked we had to pull apart the cards for the set collections for these gorgeously illustrated uh plateau um tableaus of mountains and uh sea views and stuff and the card stock was like something you'd get in a 1980s free with a magazine type game it was you you pull the cards apart and they've got big chunks of um cards sticking out where they where they connected so i was really really disappointed in in like the component quality i know um i missed the kickstarter but i'm aware there is like a deluxe version where all the components have been upgraded so that must be what we played the first time yes uh it was a dave set wasn't it i think so yeah we played at uk games expo and the whole sort of feeling of the game was very different. I mean, the meeples weren't regular meeples. They were like more slender little figures. Um, like you said, the card stock was a bit heavier and I'm sure the um, panorama cards were all like a lot heavier gauge. So it felt like you were plopping down some real nice artwork. Yeah, unless I'm misremembering. It was it was a luxurious and beautiful yeah. experience. I think, tactile. I think, I think even the insert was nice. It's like a quite a heavy cardboard 
sort of canvas style. Really? Yeah. You're just saying that to make me feel bad now because no, no. the, the, the plastic crappy insert went straight in the pit. <laughs> it's a bit flimsy. But um, content wise, though, it's all still there, isn't it? The yes. actual games-ness. What did you think is all Francesca? there? Um, yeah, well, obviously, being a lot less experienced in games than you two, um, I didn't bother about any of the components. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice. It's not snooty um, about that. At no, all. I'm not at all. And I didn't even notice. Um, I've I enjoyed playing it, and you said, Lucky, it was frustrate, frustrating that you got blocked. Um, yeah. But I don't know why you feel that, because you won and I lost badly, but um, I, I didn't find it frustrating at all. I liked it. Um, yeah, enjoyed it. thought it was really good. It's quite a pleasant experience, isn't it? There is blocking. You're blocking each other as you like, occupy the building spaces along the map. Basically, you're following the Takedo Road to Edo, and along the way, you are travellers collecting just experiences. Nice pleasant experiences where you're bathing in hot springs and collecting images of beautiful vistas, going for gourmet meals, stopping at inns and just having these nice non, there's no fighting, there's no goblins, there's no dice rolling. You're literally just moving along the road and it's got a very elegant system where the person who's last in the order on the road is the next player to take their turn. So it, that just follows really nicely. It's a bit weird to get your head around the first time you play it, but I think it sort of plays quite elegantly. Um, but yeah, it's just a, a sort of nice point collecting experience as you go. And I think you did win it, but you won it by one I, point. Yes. And it was, <laughs> but, but just, I, I, I maintain it might have been about four points, though, if we'd been tracking the... Uh, yeah, if we hadn't missed one of the scorecards. Now. <laughs> but the, I mean... The point I'm making there is it was 80 points you won. At, it was very close. And then there was, well, there was four of us playing. Our little yep. one joined us as well. And um, the, so the, to have the capability to earn 80 points, but then still only um, win by one point. Yeah. Is, I don't know if that's normal because we've only played this a couple of times, but I thought that was, it kept you in the game right till the end. You know, it felt really close all the time. Yeah, there's a lot to feel invested about. There was, I think when we played at UK Games Expo, there were quite close games as well. Yeah. I think that's just the nature of the game really because there's um, only a couple of slots on each particular location to fill up. But everyone's quite mindful of what their special abilities might be and where they need to go. So they'll constantly, occasionally you'll jump ahead to try and secure that, but then you'll try and spend as few turns as possible Go making sure you go to all the mountain locations or the rice paddy locations or a few hot springs along the way as well, just to kind of make up for that. Yeah. Um, I noticed that a lot of the big points scores in this game were all from buying like a set of items from the village in one go. So people save up money and then spend it all in one place and then putting a lot of money down in the temples, which me and um, your young son Raphael both did. And they were just tremendous boons. I think that got us about 10 points at the end of the game between yeah. us. And then plus I had about eight points down on it. So 18 points just for that one thing alone. And then just getting some a nice little tableau as well at the end of the panorama card. So there's, there's a lot of opportunities to score and score quite big as long as you're quite canny and you don't try and get too much of everything. I still don't know how you'd ever get to 100. Because what did you end up on? You ended up on... On about 80. Oh, I still don't work out how you'd get up to 100, especially if you're playing with four players. And if you had played with five, which it says you can. Yeah. Um, I think All the spots are taken up more yeah. quickly. Yeah. And I'd, I did find that weird that um, the aim is to have money always, isn't it? Because you either yeah. have to buy stuff or give money away at the temple. But the opportunity to gain money 
is really it's few and far between, yeah. Isn't it? yeah. And if someone's on that spot, there isn't even another an opportunity for someone else to get there. So um, that's probably why I lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you have the disadvantage of us having played it first. Like, um, oh yes, you being yeah. gamers, <laughs> and us being gamers. gamers, so talented and skilled in gaming. <laughs> What was your experience of the gameplay, though? Did you did you enjoy it, or did you? I mean, did you get a sense that you were a character having these experiences, or were you just overwhelmed by the? I point did, collection and I really that? liked it. And then Raphael, our little boy, pointed out that we should have been using our character names rather than going <laughs> Tristan, you're next, or Lucky, you're next. So we tried to do that, and um, I don't think it's massively immersive. Um, I played other games that I felt more drawn into. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did enjoy it. I just found it, um, and that might just be me, but I found it a little bit confusing, and I think a little cheat sheet would have really helped um, if everybody had one so that you knew what each of the um, different symbols on the board represented and what they did and, and what your personal skills were because um, Tristan had to keep checking the rules. <laughs> I could not remember mine at all. I was the, uh, the guy I kept calling Lemon, Lemon Zed, Zen, Zen Lemon or something. Yes. And, uh, He's like the uh, wandering monk, isn't he? He's like the it. collector. The big the big fat guy. And um, he had this ability with villages. And literally every time I went to a village, I had to open the rule book and remind myself. <laughs> that's, I, I think that's a really good idea about the cheat sheet for something like this. Because there, there are relatively few symbols, but they're all, they're not immediately obvious. And each sort of, um, location does a, quite a different thing. So the hot spring yeah. just gives you guaranteed points straight away. The village you get to buy cards from. The um, farm you get coins from. The temple you can donate coins to. Um, but the the symbology it doesn't really instantly tell you that. It's actually quite pretty. Yeah. Um, but I think it would take a couple of games to sort of grok all of that and, and really process it. Yeah. Well, it's the, the design is quite well considered from the point of view of like the aesthetic. Yeah. And it's all it. It feels and looks like it came straight out of um, Japan. Like games like Machikoro come to mind, where you've got very simple but very straightforward graphics and artwork, and it is absolutely gorgeous. Just looking at the back of the box now, it's like you know, there's so much artwork on there, it really draws you in. I can see like sales potential from that alone. What did you think of the board? Yeah, like not the, a lot on the board, well, either. no, but at the same time, it, again, like it is frustrating not to have a few sort of. Um, explainers on there just to remind you of what's going on but then from a publisher's point of view like all you've got to do is swap out the instruction booklet and then you've got a game that you can ship pretty much anywhere um so all the components must like reusable and like you're saying he's just rereading the manual free. yeah i quite i quite like how it looks and i'm willing to kind of put up with that um having to run from the manual just to have a more simplistic and pretty looking game board yeah no i I do actually agree. It's it's a stark white game board, isn't it? Apart from the actual road itself with the, the colourful locations coming off it, that the majority of the space is just big, open, white space. But I think that, yeah. that draws the eye compared to lots of other games we've played. It does make it stand out and look different. Um, yeah. And I really enjoy collecting the the tableaus for the, the vistas, you know, and just having the, the sea view or the mountain view. I think those are really pretty. Yeah, they are really nice. Um so to see them on such shoddy cards, honestly, <laughs> was, I'm so I'm so gutted. I was like, I would have paid the extra if I'd known, you know, that uh, there was a difference. I just assumed yeah. that it, it being a game and a popular game and everything that it would come with nice components, and they're they're awful. <laughs> like the yeah, the, the Vista cards are the the most disappointing cards I've ever seen in a game. I think um, the the encounter cards and the like the village cards and that are, are 
standard. They're not great quality, but they're standard card quality. Uh, but you don't have to assemble them yourself or pull them apart or anything. It's yeah. No, my, some of my coins were ripped already, you know, in the oh, sensor. Lucky, that was you popping the sensors. <laughs> Rad, and I me. don't know. <laughs> um, but like Francesca says, though, it's like the coin quality might not have been too great, but you can see from the back of the box as well, like the paper's coming away from yeah, the box yeah. itself a little bit. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just such a shame because, like you're saying, the artwork is absolutely amazing. It doesn't and do it justice, just lets it? it down yeah. so much. Yeah, considering what, like, it, it couldn't have been too much more expensive to have just upped <laughs> the quality. <laughs> Make me sound like a cheapskate now. I, I, but I no, no, no. Well, I didn't know. It's, that... a sealed, it's a sealed box. And, yeah. you, you know, you bought, I think you bought it from Aircon, didn't you? So it's obviously, it's come from a wholesaler of some sort. Yeah. So you're not to know. Um, I imagine a, this is the mass production version that yes. is ended up on the shelves in most shops, um, and it's just absolutely dumbfounding how you can have one such such a pretty version for the Kickstarter backers, yeah. and then not follow that through unless that was so expensive it they was had to decide it was yeah enough is enough. But I think there's another version apparently where there's actual miniatures as well for the characters, oh, so it's a second version <laughs> top, yeah. There's there's a possibility like if if this gets played enough, I could see myself trading this copy out to get the deluxe version. That's that's how disappointed I am with the component quality on this. Yeah, I I think you, you should just play it and then swap it out for another game. <laughs> I, I can't I can't see. Well, that, that's an interesting point actually. So so yeah, how does it compare? Like let's let's have a summary opinion on the actual gameplay. As as a game, it's I really enjoy the game. The gameplay is elegant, but effective there's frustrating moments when you're trying to get to where you want to be to get like get over to the farm to get some extra money or you want to quickly get on one of the um get to the temple say to throw some money down and score those points and someone will beat you to it but as much as that happens you'll be frustrating somebody else and it's a very scenic nice journey through japan it really feels that way there's so many options all the time to do anything um, you're constantly being hurried along by the idea of trying to get to the inn before everyone else so that you can afford to actually eat because you get six victory points just for doing that. And if you get caught out not being able to afford a meal, that's going to almost kill your chances of winning the game. So there's just so much happening there. But at the same time, at the rate that Raphael takes on game rules and gets on with the games and then kind of just understands them so quickly now... I think I don't think it'll be long before the game might have you, you might have seen the best of what the game's got to offer and you've tried all the main strategies and then you want to move on to something new. Not to say that it's a bad game because of that, but it just you know, it's game space in the cupboard and you might want something different. I'm beginning to suspect that somewhere at home Lecky's got a little book where he tallies I'm the champion of that one so I won't play it again. <laughs> and that's why you don't want to play it again because you can go out on a high He's and retiring go as a another winner. one I've won. Um, whereas I lost so I'd quite like to play it again just to see <laughs> if I could do better. Um, and I can see it's got replayability. It has, yes. but maybe limited, fair enough. But that's because there's just so many games out there. Um, but it's I like the fact that it's quick. Yes. Um, so if you just want to get it out as a family game, I like I like that, that you can just quickly race through it and you don't have to sit there for nine hours <laughs> wasting <laughs> away um, in a stinky kitchen with boys. <laughs> but um, no, I, I get that. But I can see that it's got some more replayability. I'd like to play it again. Brilliant. And how does it compare to... We've been playing... Um, we Charter played, Stone, yeah, Charterstone. Yeah. We played through and near and far we're doing, which I would say a lot more 
complex sort of meteor games. How do you think it compares to those in your experience? It does in a way, but it's a lot more simplistic, I think. And I, I do prefer Charterstone and I do prefer Near and Far. And um, I like that it's got some similarities with the um, the little tally on of you know your points on the board and things, and it's got all the collection. Um, one thing I found really frustrating was um, the roadmap and the idea that the person who is the last on the roadmap goes first the next turn, but then um, I just didn't find this bit clear here. So the the point there's double spaces where so so two two people can occupy the same um, location. Yeah. But the the extra space sort of goes off on, on, a, tangent, a, on a side road, yeah. and it makes you feel that that side road is further back. It just didn't make sense but that the not. person who's on the actual road and hasn't gone is is actually classed as being further away from the road that frustrated me that yeah. felt backwards to me it is a it's a strange design but i think it's to sort of um penalize you for taking that space second you know so so in this game you're sort of rewarded for arriving at locations earlier like the inn so there's four inns along the road which four opportunities scoring opportunities to have a, a meal that you've not had before like tempura or sushi or whatever uh, and in each instance, when you arrive at a location first, you have like the first choice at the the stuff at the points or whatever. Um, so I think it's with that in mind. But like you say, from from a sort of user tactile point of view, it's a bit strange that if you're on the road, you're further away yes. than if you've gone off the road a bit. It is a bit, a bit it's strange. It's a minor point, but it's just... And then my only other gripe would be that I found that the meeples, they covered... It wasn't clear, and especially if you're sitting around a gaming table and there's more than two of you, when your meeples cover um, a point, the points are so small on the road, aren't they, that you can? it's difficult to see who's where. And yeah. You've just got to be really strict with keeping your little meeples in line. Definitely. And nice OCD line. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the board is big enough that they could have easily fit the spaces for yeah. meeples on it. So it's another one where I don't know if... Originally, it was designed where they were maybe just pinhead-sized well, meeples. Looking at the back of the, go- the game box, you can see the um, the artwork that's on the back of the box. It's Those are the meeples that come with the Kickstarter edition or the edition that we played with Dave. No. So they're a lot skinnier, whereas the standard meeples that come with this version of the game are broader. So like they've got this classic, you know, arms out, legs out. Yeah. And they, must, they do take up quite a lot more room. Well, even even with those though, it still looks cluttered. And I, yeah, again, what you're saying there about the not being able to spot who's on what space, it's true. Yeah, it's um, I've not, I don't, I can't remember a worker placer type game where your meeples cover the spot so much that you don't you don't really know where you are. Yeah, um, so and it only takes one stray elbow or sneeze, <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. No one knows where they are. Yeah, no, it is a bit strange in that respect. But I think it, it, it is, yeah. presenting the board as it is. Um, and don't want to nag on it too much because I actually really enjoy it. I think it is very simple and it does play quickly and it's a, it's a good one to start the night with. Yeah. And it lets us play two games tonight. Um, but I, yeah, there's a lot... Well, there's quite a few issues there that I've struggled to overcome um, in terms of c- component quality and design, which are just... It feels like for a game that's gameplay-wise very polished, they just feel like... Yeah, things that could have easily been corrected, um, and I, I don't know what the situation is there, whether or not they had to cut financial corners or whatever. But it really does, 
um, show, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it could be as, as, as easy as a second print run work with a different publisher, couldn't it, really? And, yeah. you know, who knows? But um, it, like you're saying, it, it's a slight disappointment, but it doesn't impact on gameplay at all. Everything's still in there. It plays just as well. Meeples might be a little bit bigger. Might cover up a few things, uh, make it a little bit more difficult to see what's going on. But um, by no means is the game unplayable. And it's it's still a great game. If you've not played it and you've got access to like a board game cafe, then you should certainly give it a great go. Um, or go out and buy it. You know, you won't you won't really regret it, I don't think. Yeah, and it's one that you can pick up, read the rules and play in the same session, pretty much. Yeah, or even as you're going along. Um, as well, like we found out at UK Games Expo and again tonight, you know, there's not so much of it that you're constantly stopping and drifting back and forth. And it also um, made me really hungry, so make sure you eat before you play it because <laughs> some of the descriptions of the food, <laughs> like tempura and udon and miso, um, made me drool. So, yeah, have a, have a meal beforehand <laughs> a or go meal. to Wagamama's afterwards. <laughs> Sound of nice. themed deck builder set in their world of Terranoth uh, for two to four players that says it plays in 20 to 60 minutes, which is the biggest lie ever. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, at least an hour or two for this game. Yeah, it's much closer to the 60 minute mark per player, is it? Oh, is, yeah. that just a, is that a total 20, game time? 20 to 60 it? minutes. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> putting that to one side, um, it's a deck builder. And it's very much a focused deck builder. It's not um, a game where deck building is a part of it. Like a, a lot of these games now have, the deck building yeah. is an, an element of the game. Uh, it's kind of old school in that respect. It did come out quite a, a while ago now. Um, and I'm I'm not even sure if Fantasy Flight still supports it. It's, it had one expansion. It's a very small box. Um, you need the expansion, Hammer and Anvil, I think it's called, yeah. for it to... For you to get the full experience, it's clearly designed with the expansion and then separated. Yeah, um, and it suffers without the expansion. But we played it with the expansion shuffled in, so that's exactly. When you showed me what actually would have gone missing without the expansion, it was actually quite a shock. Half a game. Was, yeah, there was yeah. M- most of the game elements that we were relying on to win were there. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's it's very clever, and it's actually deck building isn't my favorite game mechanic. It it feels, um, ironically, it feels very gamey. I think I might have mentioned this before. I like it in games. Um, yeah. But when it is the entire focus of it, for me, deck building needs to be really good f- for it to work yeah. and for me to stay interested. So um, I appreciate games like Dominion and stuff, but no, or Marvel Legendary, for example. Yeah. But not massively interested in playing them just because once I've seen it, it, it doesn't really add they just get outmoded so quickly don't yeah. they? Like they're, they're victims of their own success in yeah. terms of inspiring other designers that's right and and it feels like every sort of debt builder that's come since has added something uh, yeah. more successful so you only have to look at the legendary encounters um like alien and predator yep. compare them to marvel legendary and instantly they're they're a class ahead because yeah. you've got the sort of the scenario design and everything that makes it meatier and more fun 
rather than just a point collection sort of point salad type yeah. deck builder. Um, but what Rune Age picked up on that kind of thing very early on and has a lot of things in a very small game that I really, really like and actually is probably my favourite dedicated deck builder. So it each player takes on an army. Yep. Uh, you can be elves, dwarves, orcs, all the sort of usual fancy stereotypes. But each player then has their own barracks of cards to draw from that are all themed to those decks. So tonight I was the humans and you were the dwarves. Yeah. So your deck was all about um, gold and manipulating gold yes. and using that to get more powerful. And mine was about um, enlisting soldiers and bringing more and more foot soldiers and knights into, into play. Um, and they are sort of uh, me- just mechanics, but they do feel sort of nicely thematic. They really of do, yeah. In- to the different styles. And and so with the expansion, there's six different races to choose from and they all have these own like unique abilities. And you get six different cards to choose from. So five different types of, of soldier and strongholds. Um, and on top of that, you also draw in from a, a shared pool of cards as well, the main sort of market deck. Um, but the, the key selling point for me, I think, on this is the scenarios. So... There are like six different scenarios you can play it as. There's competitive mode, cooperative mode, yep. solo modes. There's modes where you're trying to, it's like a grand melee where you're trying to kill each other. There's modes where you're racing to build a wonder of the world. Um, the mode that we played tonight was the cooperative uh, yes. Dragon Lords scenario where you're both sharing the same home world and trying to defend against a sort of successive um deck of events it, yeah. that is just sending dragons out to munch on we'd, your troops. We put aside our differences to uh, combat <laughs> the greater foe. Yeah. Um, and so we didn't get time to play it competitively as well, but that, that plays very differently. But each of these scenarios gives you a different set of cards to draw from. It gives you a set, different set of events yeah. that happens to you. Um, so you get a really different experience each time you play. Um, and it really, really appeals to me that, that just this sort of imaginative... Um, design and the fact that in basically just a few decks of cards there's lots of game and there's lots of replayability and I've played the same scenario the scenarios I've not even played in this box um, which I've I've looked forward to one day but every time we crack it out it's been like a year since I played it I'm like (laughs) we'll just play the Dragon Lords one to try and remember how it works quick refresher Um, but yeah so I've obviously gone on with myself a little bit there but what did you think like you've you've played quite a few deck builders that's a forest summary Um, (laughs) it's I, I enjoyed the game it was simplistic in its design with the way that the mechanics play but it was it's got so much variety with that simplicity that it actually became quite a um a, comp- a complex machine that you had to try and manage um so it's very much all about efficiency isn't it with deck builders really you need to build up your deck so you can actually do damage yeah but then you need to start paying it down so that you can do that damage effectively which we learned the hard way. Um, <laughs> it's a real it's, like it's old paramount. trick of deck builders to pair it, your deck, and we just it is yeah. We didn't really bother. No, so um, there was occasion occasionally we had these really effective strong hands that came out, and then sometimes a bloated mess would follow it up, <laughs> and um, especially when the encounter deck, there's just a fresh bastard coming out every turn. <laughs> it's relentless. To, yeah, just to ruin what was going on. So. Um, we, we really did feel like we were on the back foot the whole time and we managed to get a win, but it was like the last possible card. We were guaranteed to lose down on the very next it. turn. Yeah. And we had two health 
out of 20 health in our home world, we had two left no, by the end of the yeah. game. So it was, it was the closest run thing it could have yeah. been. And the game, the game across the board feels quite well balanced. There was a few dwarf cards. There was a great guardian one which stopped um, cards from being uh, destroyed. So instead of going back into your discard because the enemy's got rid of it before you attack, it goes straight back into the pool of cards and you've got to pay for it again. It can be very frustrating. Um, some those would be protected. Um, there's a really cool card where in the co-op, it really didn't seem to be that useful, although I could still use it. So I could look at your hand and then take a gold card out Steal of it. Steal my gold. My old, <laughs> but then put it in my discard pile yeah. or put it in my hand, which is brilliant. So I get to keep that. Um, I can imagine that being really frustrating for you if we're playing competitive. <laughs> um, and then there was this wonderful mining card that I had, which meant that I could put two gold towards its strength. So this like huge machine drill bit just going straight through the middle of the dragon layer. Um, and it was that was all quite nice. There was a nice amount of humor in the game to keep it lighthearted. And like I was saying, there's just enough going on with the drawing abilities where you you draw a card and you play it in and then it's inevitably got an extra buff to draw another card or to add an extra value to it or it'll help out somebody else. Um, so in the early game, you're just playing one, you know, one or two cards extra to your hand and then by the end of the game, you pretty much bring out your entire deck each yeah. turn if, you've, if you're lucky enough and you've paired <laughs> it down right. So yeah, it's just... Um, it's just a very fun deck builder to play. Yeah, agreed. Nice art. I'm not a massive fan of the Terranoth world, to be honest. Um, so there's a lot of reused stuff in here from like Descent, Journeys in the Dark yeah. and Runebound and everything else. Um, but they've, Fancy Flight have invested a lot in, in sort of building this world. So um, for fans of, of that sort of uh, yeah. fancy environment, it's, it's great because it's sort of, it's continuing... Their world building in a completely different environment. Um, the I think the sort of thematic disconnect for me is just a lot of the art is cartoony and some of it isn't. Yeah, um, yeah. The dwarf deck was super cartoony all the way yeah, around. Um, uh, it didn't look like the humans were that much. That's right. And then you get sort of uh, demons and stuff as well, which looks a, a bit nastier. And then yeah. there's beautiful cards like the city cards are, are really brilliantly illustrated as well. There's like independent cities that you can take control of that adds to your influence in that um one of the things is th this could just be the way that we play but I, I can't imagine any other way of playing it because it would be a lot slower is that you're not massively paying attention to other people's turn other than the general gist of it yeah so the other player will just throw down a whole bunch of cards in the co-op mode this is um and they'll, they'll just blot out i'm drawing six cards and yeah. paying eight gold and then i do 12 damage sort of thing so it, it that I mean that's just the pace at which we play. You know, it would have taken a lot longer if I'd gone. This is a footman. I'm using the footman. He's going to bring in another footman. Yeah, but if you just don't get on with it, then at some point the person is going to strangle you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and I guess that that speaks to how easy it is to grasp the mechanics because once you get into the flow of it, it happens really quickly. But but all those combos are sort of it's it's quite um and and this is endemic with deck builders. I think it's. It's a lot to sort of manage, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of tap this, draw that, do that. Um, but once you, yeah, once you're in the thick of it, it, it does play quite quickly. It didn't feel like there was much downtime between the turns, no, and because all. after both of us have taken our turn, the game throws an encounter at us, and then we have to choose who's going to respond to that. Yeah. Uh, and in most cases, it was there was an attack on us yeah. and an encounter, so we both had something to do 
in those turns. And every time that happens, at the end, you refresh your cards. So you've got a full hand ready for your, yeah. your next go. Um, and I was very much relying on you to take care of certain cards so that I could do something and I think vice versa. Yeah. So the co-op mode works really well. and It was good fun co-op. Yeah. yeah. And it's a good fun solo game as well. It's a sim- it's the same scenario, basically. Um, and competitively, it's a shame we didn't get to try it tonight, but I think that works really well as well. It's very, very take that. And that idea of somebody else just splatting down a load of cards and yeah. going through a load of stuff, you do pay attention because they're, they're killing you with those cards. Yeah. Um, and when you have a battle, you play one card at a time. So you yeah. that you are strategizing against each other back and forth. So for That's it to it. have all these modes to straddle these different game types very elegantly and for them all to work so well yeah. in such a really small box, I think is a testament to, you know, the skill of the designer. I think it's Corey, Corey K, Corey yeah. Kanitska. <laughs> um, and, you know, he's obviously a pro. And the way that he's just sort of um, corralled all those different designs yeah. and different scenarios into it's, this box. It's really well considered that it must have play-tested the absolute crap out of it in yeah. order to get it as well as they have done, really. Definitely. And it does, it does build the on game. other deck builders, obviously, and it draws yeah. heavily from them. Um, and at the start, you feel like you're missing something because you've got a deck of eight cards, so you, you're literally reshuffling every single yeah. turn. Um, but that just makes you more aware of the entirety of your deck. That's it, yeah. Whereas in, in some deck builders, especially like the um, legendary ones we talked about earlier, you don't get opportunities to pair your deck and it just bloats and bloats and bloats. Yeah. And you sort of... Um, ours did a little bit tonight, but only because we were we were playing suboptimally. But in those other games, and there's so so much variety in the cards, um, on the one hand, that sounds cool, but with a deck builder, you actually want consistency you want to get you want to get to those big juicy cards as quickly yeah. as possible. Um, and sometimes you just couldn't do it. That's right, and and some of them rely on throwing out random cards from the market. There, even like yeah. Shadowrun Crossfire, which I love, um, it's kind of a crapshoot what you're going to pull. Yeah. Whereas the elegance of this is that you've got your own barracks to draw from, your own army yeah. cards. You've got the shared pool to draw from as well, which um, you're kind of racing each other to get yeah. to because they're you know they're limited. Um, but you always feel like you're able to do something. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to play a um, competitive game of this now, just purely because some of the, um, it's like garrison cards almost, isn't it? So you can get, mine was the Dwarven Tower cards that you can bring in for an influence. So the influence is used to buy the cards from the shared pool, yeah. whereas gold is used to pr- recruit your own sort of um, race. So um, there's a couple, occasionally you come across a location card so like there was the foundry or there was um, a couple of cities and you could take those so you fight them and then you um oh honestly what's what is the word you'd, you'd garrison them um so that you can use their influence so their influence would be like two or three yeah so then you can start getting those central cards now what would be good in a competitive is that once you're you've garrisoned it and you've brought it onto your side there's nothing to stop me from then trying to attack that and yes. bring it back except for your own defending that's cards. a huge part of the, the competitive game yeah is, so is we, the fighting for those cities exactly so those cities would be going back and forth all the time meaning that sometimes you'll be getting a decent card from um, shared pool sometimes i'd be getting them yeah maybe one of us get blocked out and then that's the game gone because yeah. you're not really going to recover um I can see a lot of potential from that mechanic alone. Then you put in all the other cards and your own um, cards in it. It's there's potential is massive. Yeah. No. Um, I'm a big fan of the um, the deck driven take that sort of games as well. So it'd be interesting to see where those go. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it is. It's, it, it does work well. And tonight I was thinking, actually, after we started, I, I'd chosen the humans. And I couldn't remember whether or not they were uh, underpowered. I think it's the elves are commonly perceived to be the weakest deck. Yeah. Um, and if I remembered, I probably would have played as those just because I've played it before. Yeah. Um, but I noticed at the start of the game, when you started out with your dwarves, you were like pulling all of your deck into your hands straight away and you had this gold yeah. machine going on. And I was like, oh my God, this is, you know, you've picked the dwarves, they're clearly better. But then of course, because they um, were focusing on one gold cards, it actually started to clog you up. They were a rubbish bit later, later on. on in the game, yeah. And at that point, sort of my deck was starting to get more powerful. And yeah. the way they sort of dovetailed together that power creep, um, actually, I just thought worked really well because if you don't, you know, if you get that bloat happening and you don't yeah. address it early on, then, you know, that would put you behind it. That's it. So in the competitive game, I could see a situation arising where if we'd have played against each other, then I would have at the start felt really on the back foot. Yeah, and then had to find a way to come back. But you would have then had to deal with this extra bloat that you're getting from just yeah. having this, the low cost cards. So, saying that early game though, you were getting more um, power cards. So the the cards that I were bringing out most were gold, so yeah. I could buy more units more effectively. But the cards you were getting more of earlier were just low powered fighting cards. So all the cities that I mentioned earlier, the garrisons. They were like four or six, and you would just took them all. Yeah. So if that was a competitive game, that would have been really interesting because then I would have had to use my higher power units to then try and take them to off take the you. Cities. Yeah. Um, but you would have kept defending, so that would have made it quite interesting. I think that would have balanced out really well. Yeah. But because it's competitive, it just worked out in both of our favors. And then later on, um, you managed to kind of gift me one of those cities to help me out. Yeah. And then I was kind of just defending with all my higher powered um, gold driven cards. And it, that was just beautiful. It was really nice mechanic. We didn't really have to overthink it. There's enough communication going on between us to make sure it happened effectively. But at yeah. the same time, we're just spamming for cars, which is what you <laughs> want to do in a deck builder. Um, and it's interesting as well. If we did pair effectively, I think we could have over pruned our decks, especially the dwarves, because I had this great card, um, which was the war machine, which meant that if I destroyed a gold that I had in discard, all my cards in my hand got powerful, more powerful by one. Um, and there was only about two or three times when I drew that out that I couldn't use it. And that was just absolutely shameful because <laughs> it ended up as about six or seven um, in terms of power, which meant we could kill a dragon or not. Yeah. Um, so that really helped us. And if we'd got rid of a load of those low value gold cards, then they would have never been coming out at the right time. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it is, it is a balance. Definitely. Yeah. It's a good balancing act. Yeah. No, really impressed with it. And, um, it's always one that you know break out from time to time, and then think, why don't we play this way more often? You know, yeah. Um, and every time I do get it out, I'm like, I wonder if it's as good as I remember. And tonight, I thoroughly enjoyed yeah. it again. Really happy to play it, and and it still overshadows a lot of deck builders that have come since. I think. Um, yeah, I think it could quite easily, um, especially when when you're looking at some of the legendary games. It's there's a it's an older game, Rune Age, but at the same time, it plays. It's it's so well maintained, it's so well balanced, and yeah. it's like you said, it's not so bloated of expansions that it just feels like a really sleek modern game. It doesn't, it's aged so well. It's really surprising. Yeah, and it's a shame to, if it has gone out of print. That'll be a real shame. Right? It's like hopefully expect to be able to pick up a copy. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure about that. To be honest, we'd have to check it, but it does. Um, it, it, it the line was finished. You know, with just these two things, and in a way mm. that. Um, on the one hand, you know, now you just expect an evergreen supply of expansions for any game that comes out. Yeah. But on the other hand, 
It just means that it sat there um, as a completely finished, yeah. working and beautifully working game. Yeah, so it's a very elegant design, tiny little box, easily fits on the shelf. Yeah, it wasn't too expensive at the time. I don't know if it if it is hard to track down. I don't know how much it would cost now. Um, yeah, but it was like you know twenty twenty odd quid sort of thing. We've we've um, found this. Fantasy Flight favouring their LCGs quite a lot now. Do you think games like this might be behind them? Do you think? Yeah, I think they're going to this. Yeah, if they're going to the silver line. Um, it's yeah, it says oh, on the right. box, and the silver line is like the ones that they sort of show token support to. I think. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that means that it's evergreen or, or whatever, but it just means they sort of come around occasionally. But yeah, the main focus for Fantasy Flight have such big titles. You know, yeah. and, and with Descent and all the other Terranoth games, I could easily see this being, you know, left to one side, which would be a shame because, yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. <laughs> not even a massive fan of deck builders, but this one just worked really well. Yeah. Um, I say I'm not a massive fan. I've got tons. Yeah, you've got, <laughs> got, you've got tons loads of deck builders. <laughs> and we always have a really good time playing them. And we always, yeah, maybe I'm more of a fan than I think. It's just in my head. I always think there's a more thematic way to solve the idea of having a fantasy adventure experience than um, sort of randomly shuffling your deck to see what happens to you kind of thing. Yeah, I but see. in a way, other games that do that just have you yeah. shuffle different decks, like the encounter <laughs> decks that you come across or whatever. That's it. I think I prefer this game more than some of the games like, um, say, like Warhammer Quest, where you're questing through, but they've solved the long-term questing adventures by having smaller amounts of cards that you bring out and you keep... You basically, like... Um, basically use and tap and then wait until they're all exhausted and then bring them back in yeah this seems like a lot more fun it didn't feel like i ever had you know it was sometimes it's down to the look of the draw quite literally but yeah. it never really felt like i was out of options it would be arbitrarily limited sort of thing exactly yeah and um it felt more that the enemies were growing too powerful than it was because i was doing something badly yeah which is what you want really you want to feel like it's almost out of control and that you're fighting to you know stay on top of it yeah it doesn't you, you let up yeah you don't want to feel like you've made some bad decisions and now you screwed it <laughs> <laughs> you just have to play out the inevitable defeat <laughs> exactly yeah 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 no it was we were in it till the end and and that's a recurring theme i think um maybe if you got better at it if we got better at it we'd get through a scenario like that more quickly but then there's another scenario to play you know then we can move on to the cataclysm or the monument or any yeah. of the other ones um which I've not even touched, I'm ashamed to say, and I've played it tons. Yeah. But the the, the couple of basic scenarios work so well. Every time I come back to it, pick it up, it's just like, right, well, we'll just do this again, you know. Um, but you could probably play that all day, go through all the different scenarios and have a completely different experience and see yeah. different cards. There's cards in there I've never seen before because we've not played the scenarios that feature them. So Excellent. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'd definitely love to explore more of it. Play some co competitive, but also check out some more of the uh, cooperative scenarios and just see like you know, what else is in there in that game. Because I noticed when we were packing it away, there was a few more things that we hadn't seen. So yeah. it'd be great to just see what's under there. Dig deeper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cool. Nice. Well, there we go then. So um, if you're looking for a, a nice... A <laughs> economic debt builder uh, that was hopefully still in print question mark maybe <laughs> then you check out Rumen Age or see if you can pick up a copy of it in um, some sort of like um, swaps on the forums or um, just see if a friend's got it in his cupboard and just have a crack it's a, it's a very interesting fun game nice one so that's uh, all we've got time for really this week it's been a great episode lots of chats we'll um, see you next week for more gameage so from me it's goodbye and from me it's goodbye goodbye, goodbye.